We're so honored to be back here, and it seems uh, we live here. It feels like we feels like we've moved away, but we haven't. We still live here in Huntsville. We're in and out of town quite a bit, but we are honored to be with you uh, tonight. Um, as uh, Jason said, we are, I'm Jason. This is my wife, Lindsay. give you a little backstory. We were appointed as career missionaries to the Republic of Chile last year in 2020. Yeah, we got our stuff up on the board. That's the one thing that went right in 2020. And I started serving uh, on staff here at Sam Houston State in 2009. So, yeah, so dinosaurs and all that stuff, right? And I met my wife, Lindsay, in Chi Alpha. Church. Yeah. Uh, it was on a Friday night. It pays, the church, it, it pays to go to church, folks. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we met. <laughs> so I came to Sam Houston um, from Houston. Yeah. Oh. Westheimer Gessner, West Chase. Yeah. So, and I had this girl who was very persistent. I was kind of hard to love as a freshman, as you do, as you do, and she texted me, she was, she was as determined as I was stubborn, she texted me twice a week at least, every week for an entire semester, and I still didn't come to Chi Alpha. So, um, after a lot of prayer on her part, after the Lord softening my heart, I got into small group, became a small group leader, graduated, and went into the workforce, and I taught for six years. So I'm going to answer a question we get uh, quite a bit, is well, why Chile? How did you end up? It's kind of random, isn't it? Yeah. I, uh, I'll give you guys the backstory, a very quick version. Uh, in, the t in the spring of 2014, I was asked by our campus pastor at the time, who was Eli Gotro. He asked, he said, would you consider leading a three-month internship to Chile? And so myself and four students from San Houston, we went to Santiago, Chile for the summer uh, to serve our friends Josh and Myra Brintro. That's us in Chile. That's the team in 2014. Uh, we, they've been there uh, since 2006. And if you are new here, we just have a culture of saying yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We just have that culture here. I was not going to look Eli in the face and say, no, Eli, I'm going to play Super Smash this summer instead. <laughs> and so our team came together. We wrote letters. We mowed yards. We baked cakes, we panhandled, we made, we mowed more yards, and we somehow raised all the money that we needed. Yeah. And we flew down, we lived in this large, uh, they call it a casona, a large house with a bunch of students and families uh, from South America called Casa Ogar. And we got stretched. <laughs> I bet. <Yeah>. Culturally, <laughs> linguistically, do I look like I speak Spanish to you? <laughs> No central heat, no hot water. The only way you get hot water is you have to go light the propane heater and then someone can turn it off on you when you're in the shower. You take your toilet paper, you can't flush it, you gotta throw it in the, in the, toy, in the, in the waste basket. And all of it. We had protests that happened unpredictably and we had stu 
students that wanted to hang out with us 24-7. Oh, yeah. All the time. I had a Spanish-English dictionary that I wore out. It completely, I had to come back and throw it away because it was just unusable. It, it, it fallen apart in my backpack. I got, we got caught in a rainstorm, and I, we loved it. We loved every second of it. Yeah. We were thrown off the deep end. Amen. So that's Jason's first time in Chile. I was teaching at the time, and they left at the beginning of May, and of course, I can't do that to my second grade babies. I have to be there for the rest of the school year. You'll get it. And he came back, and it had been about two weeks, and I had already put my foot all the way in my mouth by saying, you're never leaving me that long again unless I'm going with you. Eli tells him they loved you down there. I, they can't explain it, we can't explain it, but they want you to leave the trip again for another three months next summer. So summer 2015, I got a chance to go to Chile with Jason and another team of about six students. <laughs> I haven't seen this slideshow clearly. Um, and I spent some time in Casa Hogar with the Lord and Jason already told you there is no central heat. So I'm in layers of clothing, layers of blankets. I think I had three hats on because I was just so cold. And the Lord whispered very gently to my heart, like not an audible whisper for, for my new friends, but just something I could really tell in my heart that the Lord was telling me, this is going to be your home. And yeah. cute tears because I was like, but the next day we got to spend time with Josh and Myra in their little yellow house and they had their kids and the dog was there and our team was there and we were warm and they had a space heater and it was great and the Lord reminded me one more time he said this is going to be your home and now we're we're here, so we got married in 2016. We invited a number of our friends, and we actually had a friend that flew up from Chile to our wedding here in Texas. Wow! Yeah, he never left. He never left Chile. He doesn't speak any English, and so, if you case you don't know, Huntsville empties out in the summer. Yeah. We called all four of our Spanish-speaking friends. And we all they all signed up and took a day because we had a guy with us that couldn't even read the menu. Wow. He's never been to Buffalo Wild Wings. He hated it, by the way. <laughs> tacos in Chile and they don't have snow cones he had his first snow cone here and what we saw is that the, the Lord gave us influence and if you fast forward he's married now he's got a job he's in his he's got his own house but it was just evident that God was opening a door for us and so this year we have been visiting churches we've been visiting small groups and prayer meetings anybody that will listen to our story and listen to us share the vision of church planting and doing outreach on some of the 40 universities in Santiago. There's a lot more Manuels in Santiago, and there's a lot more folks in Casogar that are awaiting your investment and my investment of time and loving them enough to learn the language the hard way. Yeah. 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 And awaiting a healthy church to plug into. And in other words, we want to give students in Chile the same opportunity that we have this evening. Yeah. Yeah. To have somebody pour into us. That's right. 
And so we would love if you would pray with us as, as we travel. Would you pray for us? We have a table outside. We've got prayer cards. Feel free to take them. We made them for you. <laughs> Thank you. We put them on your fridge, on your Bible, in your Bible. Please pray for us. We also have a Facebook group that you can request to join. It's not an open group because there's a lot of weirdos on Facebook. <laughs> a lot of them. But if you request to join, we'll, we'll grant you access. And you, we want to give a picture of what day-to-day -day life itinerating actually looks like. We want to give you kind of the, the back-end look. So uh, that's just uh, a way to stay connected with us. Yeah. And we would love to be able to, to just connect with you in that way. Yeah. So maybe you're here this evening. My wife said she's from Houston. Maybe you're here this evening and you're from the country. Anybody? I uh, am from Douglas. Uh, I grew up in a town that got a blinking yellow light in the fifth grade. My high school was less than 90 people. And when I walked across the stage my senior year, half of those folks had been there 12 years ago at the kindergarten graduation. Maybe you're like me and you feel like that maybe you're nobody from nowhere. And you grew up next to a pig farm like I did. And you maybe grew up, maybe like I did, beside a church, but not inside of a church. Yeah. And maybe you think that you've actually made a mistake that you're here. And I just want to assure you, the Lord has his hand upon your life. Right. The scripture says that he is the prince of peace. Yeah. And he will give you peace beyond all understanding. That's right. And the Lord, I'm just a living testimony that God can take nobody from nowhere and do something beyond what they'd ever imagined. So I want to share with you uh, from the scripture tonight, I, I want to share about a conviction I don't hear talked about too much, but it's really kind of saved my bacon the last year. And if you've got your Bible, I want us to turn. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Oh. You thought I was going to say 2 too, didn't you? I hooked you. This is the Apostle Paul who's speaking to one of his disciples or one of his sons in the faith named Timothy. And Paul is saying this. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. That's interesting. Paul is telling Timothy, do not get entangled in civilian affairs. And it's my conviction, a lot of us here know 2 Timothy 2.2 about, make, about making disciples who make disciples. Yeah. It's my conviction that you cannot do that without 2 Timothy 2.4. Yeah. Yeah. And what I've noticed here, and I'm sure that, that everybody in here shares this with me, that the last three or four years we are in a culture that has become increasingly polarized. Yeah. That it's just always becoming just, just a nonstop dialogue, it seems like, about whose side are you on? And, you know, people want you to make a statement about this thing that happened or that thing that's going on or this this thing happened in the news. What do you what do you think about it? Yeah. And that's where a lot of people, I believe, really get uh, caught up and we get caught up. It's kind of like a like catching a fish or something that somebody throws out a line that's got a hook baited and they've got some inflammatory comment. Or some, sometimes it's not always inflammatory, but they've got some opinion or some effect to it. And man, we just go for it. We're hooked, right? Yeah. And now you've got the hook in your mouth. And it's just so, oh gosh, it's just so tempting to just insert your opinion and just tell somebody off or somebody's. 
You want to just tell somebody how the cows ate the cabbage? Or tell them to take a long walk off a short pier? Maybe you've heard that. Or as people say now, then you just want to tell them, bye, Felicia. <laughs> people still say that. I hated myself here. I'm not ashamed of it. Listen, our country, our culture has gone so insane, yeah, yeah. literally, seriously insane. And what has defined us most recently has been, you've been basically reduced into a few camps. Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Do you get vaccinated? Do you get, or not get vaccinated? And everybody, what happens is everybody is publicly neutral about it. But privately, they're thinking dirty thoughts about it. Anybody that doesn't really agree with them. You know, publicly you've got the face on, but privately you're just complaining about everybody else behind their back. Yeah, and, you know, if it weren't for those, you know, ABC people who do XYZ, this country wouldn't be where it is. Yeah. Anybody got family like that? Oh, yeah. I some family like that. Does. But what does the Bible say about ignoring this stuff? It doesn't, it doesn't say to ignore it. It says don't get entangled. Yeah. Okay. The scripture, I believe, calls this civilian af affairs. And I am currently, my wife and I are currently in a season where we are in contact literally every single day. We are around people who are caught up. In yeah. civilian affairs, and they don't even realize it. Yeah. They are deceived. That's what that's what that's what deception is. Yeah. You have things like affirmation and honor and humility and the fruit of the spirit, like you'd see maybe in Galatians. Those things have just become absent. Yeah. For in just everyday culture, and it just seems like that there's folks out there that you just take a special joy, just kind of a sick joy of. Pigeon, other pigeonholing uh, other folks into some no-win situation, or you know, it's like, well, well, if you don't make a decision, if you don't make a statement, then you're this. Well, if you do make a statement, you're that. It's no win. You can't win that way. Yep. And what's happened is that we have devolved. Yeah. We have decomposed our civilization into a bunch of complainers. Man. The news, not just the news, the church. Yeah. Not just the church, yep. the pastors. Yeah. I'm talking everybody. Yeah. It seems like everybody is in the same boat. Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to look for a few minutes here. I want to suspend that thought. I'm going to look at a few minutes here. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't expect you to be an Old Testament scholar here. And so we're going to run through this kind of quick. And we're going to just do a quick flyby, if you will. We're not going to get into the deep theology of it, but we're going to look at the book of Numbers. Okay. Chapter 16, and we're going to just read three verses, and I'm going to give you a little bit of context here to help us out. Verse 12, if you if you have your Bible or your, or your iPhone app, anyone is good with me. Then Moses summoned Nathan and Abiram the sons of Eliab, and they said, we will not come. They're telling Moses off. <laughs> Isn't it enough that she brought us here up out of this land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? And now you want also to lord it over us? Moreover, you haven't brought us 
into a land flowing with milk or honey, or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards, do you want to treat these men like slaves? No, we will not come. That is some complaining. Yes. That is, uh, the Old Testament word is murmuring. You don't really say that anymore, but it's just substitute the word complaining for it. And these are folks that are Levites that have been brought. Actually, they've been separated. They have. Uh, they are complaining against Aaron. They're complaining against Moses. And they, these folks were in Egypt, and they hated it. They had God's provision. They had God's presence with them. They had God's leaders with them. And they wanted it all to be different. They wanted it to be. They wanted to be on the other side. And then they got to the other side and complained about it. Yeah. <laughs> and people say, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Yeah. Man, what a bunch of boomers. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter what anyone, it didn't matter what, uh, what God or anybody else did. They were displeased. Yeah. And the reality is that sometimes that's us oh, as yeah, well. That's true. Uh, we pigeonhole God. Into a yeah. no-win situation, wow. and we sometimes, over time, become impossible to please, and it's a really terrible place to be, yeah. because nobody can be can bear the weight of being responsible for your happiness for very long. Yeah. It's just a reality. There's a lot to unpack in number sixteen. They are they're there. They eventually, what happens is that the three men who have who have, who have complained and kind of organize a gang of people, eventually they all die in different ways. And then they, 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 the complaining, that attitude spreads. God sends a plague upon them. Aaron then stands between the living and the dead, and then the Lord intervenes, and then they burn incense to the Lord, and, and the, the people are delivered. That's you know, 40, 40 verses summarized in 30 seconds. So well done. Uh, if you, it's a great story. Number 16 is a great, it was a great read. There's a lot to unpack in it. We're not going to be able to get to all of it. But what I see most clearly is that God takes our attitude seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And he takes your gratefulness or maybe your lack of gratefulness. He takes that seriously. And sometimes we, like the Levites, the folks in this in this Old Testament story here, sometimes we're like them. We can't control the circumstances we're in. We can't control the surroundings. We can't sometimes like we can't control our leaders. But you can control where your heart goes. Yeah. A complaining attitude. It's a lot like a little bitty wound. It just keeps bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. It's like you ever cut yourself shaving and then you're yep. trying to stop the bleeding for 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> it's like somebody might as well just stabbed you. <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. In our context, this same attitude is packaged a little bit differently, but it's the same attitude. It yeah. comes out in saying, well, only if we didn't have to wear these masks. If only more people were vaccinated, if people had voted the way that I voted, if people had not wronged my family. And I get that these are real thoughts. I understand that these, some of these are valid thoughts, but this flies. What I want us to see is that this flies in the face of Scripture. It says, do not get entangled. Do not get caught up in civilian affairs. Because what happens over time, getting caught up in these things 
It reveals corruption. It leads to corruption in your soul. Yeah. Wow. It reveals where we're untempered. Yeah. If you have something that is of good temper, if you have a glass that has been tempered, it is not easily broken. You ever seen a, a bird hit a windshield and just bounce off of it? Yep. Yeah. That's because it's tempered glass. Now you ever dropped a glass in the in the kitchen and it broke in the in the two hundred pieces? Yeah. And then you're out there trying to find all the shards with your feet? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is untempered glass. Untempered glass is un it's easily broken, and when it breaks. It goes everywhere, and it's just a huge mess. And some of us this evening, we're untempered. Man. That when we break, when our attitudes break, it shatters. And it, got, it gets shards all over everybody. And it's a huge mess that everybody has to clean up. That's just the reality of it. The Scripture is not saying you can't have an opinion. That's not saying that. And I, I don't want to be misinterpreted. Yeah. It's saying don't get caught up. Yeah. Yeah. There's other versions of the scripture that say that it's, it, this is a, like a net that you can't escape. That you're caught up in a net. Maybe you've gone uh, shrimping or something like that. Or you've, or you've tried to catch maybe a butterfly with a net. I don't know if anybody's done that. But, <laughs> uh, you, you get what I'm saying here. We have decided, Lindsay and I, we have decided that we are going to major on the majors and minor on the minors. Amen. And I want to just roll a few majors out here. Let's do it. Just, 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 I just want to roll these things out here for us to think about here. There are folks in this world who will live and die and they will face eternity without ever hearing the gospel once. Yeah. That is a major. Yes. Yeah. There, are there are parts of this world where there are hundreds and hundreds of miles between churches. And when you do find that church is just a shack yeah. compared to something like this building or maybe some of our churches back home. There's places like Afghanistan where you are captured, you're raped, you're tortured and then killed. Yeah. And, they just, and they just have a cycle of doing that. That's real persecution. There's folks, there's places of the world where you as a small group leader or maybe a company leader, you already have more training than some of the pastors in some countries. These are majors. In fact, Lindsay and I shared at a church yesterday in a small town. The pastor is 27 years old. He is in a town of 1,900 people. The, the church was without a pastor for 10 years. Wow. And when he got there, there was only 12 people there. And that church is about running between 60 and 70 people on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And it was full of young families and kids and, and people that were helping to shoulder the responsibility. Yeah. That is the kind of stuff I want to channel my time and my influence. Yeah. Yeah. The church, a church that's doing something like, something like that is the backbone of the community. Yeah. That guy is a soldier. He could have had a cushy job working at a good company, but what's happening instead is that he's pouring his life out as an offering to Jesus. Yeah. And he's doing it in a small town that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And most of us will probably never go to. There's parts of this world who are waiting on you. Yeah. 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 And they're waiting on the good news of the gospel. Right. Large cities like Santiago, Chile, small towns like Douglas, Texas. 
near and far, places where it's freezing cold on the 4th of July, places where the people go to the beach on Christmas Day, places where they have subways, places they have camels, places they have stability politically, places where there's, uh, there's great wealth, places where there's people trapped in a cycle of poverty and dysfunctional governance, they await, they await us That's right. Yeah. Yeah. to take our eyes off of civilian affairs. Yeah. Yeah. We have to get this conviction in our heart if we're going to do missions. Yeah. 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 The things that we get caught up in, the things that fill our social media, yeah. the things that take our eyes off of Jesus, we have to give those things to him. Right. To Jesus, who is our king. The scripture says, who is the, the commander of the Lord of hosts, who will one day come back victoriously, and this time with a sword, and he will judge the living and the dead. Yes. That's the Jesus we're giving this to. Yeah. So how do you know if you're caught up? Well, what makes you angry? Mm. What do you get on a soapbox about? What do you get an attitude about? Anybody got an attitude? I know some of you got an attitude. I know some of you. What's your social media say about you? Are you, this evening, are you a civilian? Or are you a disciple? Are you a Paul or a Timothy? Paul makes the distinction and he sets a pattern that our lives should follow. When we are like the Levites that are in the book of Numbers, what we're saying is that our pain and our discomfort and our opinions, while they're very real, I'm not discounting these things, these things are real, but we're saying that they outweigh the grace and the mercy of God. Man. And the reality is that we're here this evening, we're breathing. And we're here getting higher education. We're in a country that's not being run by a dictator. And we've got food to eat afterwards at Whataburger, praise the Lord. We got friends that care about us. And when we compare today's agony, it disappears into the shadows of the mercy and the presence of the living God. Yeah. Who restores, and He has a plan for you. You can restore your complaining attitude. That's right. And if you're caught up, He can set you free. Yeah. Amen. I don't want to be caught up like the Levites in an endless cycle of complaining. Yeah. Martin Luther has a great quote that says, this is the rhetoric of the Spirit of God. It's to extenuate evil things and to amplify good things. If a trial comes, to make the trial a little, but if a mercy comes, to make that mercy great. We want to amplify and magnify the things of God in our lives. And the thorns in the side, we're not going to glorify them. We're not going to put them up front. It doesn't mean they're not there. It's just that that's, that's, that's just not what we're going to do. That's not who we're going to be as people. Yeah. We aim to, to bring Jesus forward. Yes. As the scripture says, to have him lifted high, just as Moses lifted the yes. serpent up in the wilderness. Yes. And you can't lift Jesus high when your hands are full of other things. Great ungratefulness or murmuring or complaining. This is ranked pretty high in the scripture among sins. Yeah. But the scripture says the mercies of God are new every morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And it's just easy in this present age to be grateful for none of it. Yeah. Just as gratefulness, a heart of gratefulness, 
Francis Schaeffer says that gratefulness is their first step back to God. Just as gratefulness makes you a fertile ground for the Spirit of God to work in your life. The converse of that is that discontent in a life of complaining, it makes that's fertile ground for you to shift your eyes off course. And for sinful life to take root. People get led astray a lot of times by their attitude first. Yeah. Their ideas and their attitudes stray before their body ever does. Yeah. We have to guard our minds. We have to guard our hearts against yeah. these things. Yeah. The scripture says that one day we will stand before God and we will give an account for our lives. Yeah. And I believe that maybe the question that we'll have to answer is why, are, why am I so short-sighted? Why has so much of my heart been invested in civilian affairs and just having an opinion and rolling it out there and trying to stake my claim? I don't have a claim to stake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I believe that there will be people who will say, if, if only I had been a little bit more thankful. Yeah. What a life that I could have lived. Yeah. And I want to say before Jesus, and I, I just want to to tell them, Lord, I gave my life for your people. The people who you loved and who you died for. And Lord, my heart was engaged with what really mattered. What really mattered. Not the civilian affairs, not the petty things, not the opinions, not all these things. What really matters. This evening, maybe you're here and you're like the Levites. The truth is that you're unhappy on a lot of levels. That mm. inwardly you're, you're, you're not very happy. You've got the facade. And maybe you've got some pretty valid reasons there on the surface. Like they did. They did have some valid reasons. They were stuck in a desert which wasn't their idea. Maybe, like the Levites in the book of Numbers, you've questioned and complained against the one person who God has appointed to speak to us on his behalf and to open the way into his presence and to be our ultimate leader. That person was just Jesus. Maybe you're angry with God this evening. Maybe you've complained. The truth is you're not very pleased with him right now. At different moments and maybe in different ways you've disbelieved him. Maybe you've murmured and complained against him and who against who he said he was. And the truth is, that is actually far more offensive than what happened in the book of Numbers. Yeah. We deserve what they got and far worse. That's right. Yeah. But what happened is that Jesus rushed into the middle of our plague. Yeah. And he set up something much more precious than incense. If you read the book of Numbers, the end of Numbers 16, it talks about how they burned incense into the Lord. Just like we sang, Jesus offered something more precious than incense. He offered his life. That's right. He's the sin offering we need to stay in God's presence. Maybe this evening you're here and you're you're caught up in civilian affairs. Worship team, Josh and Alicia, you guys can come back up. Maybe you're caught up in, a, in civilian affairs. The truth is that you're, that you're in a net. That you don't even remember swimming into it. That you can just just put a stake in the ground about all these things that are happening in the world. And 
The truth is, maybe you're not really a soldier. Because the truth is that civilian affairs are safe ground. Truth be told, you're a servant to your own opinion. Yeah. And you don't really see the big picture. <laughs> the scripture has not called us to that. It's called us not to safety, not to security. It's called us to obedience to Jesus. Yeah. That's right. Wherever that might be. Maybe it might be to Uruguay, which is the most atheistic country in Latin America, known as the graveyard of Latin American missions. Maybe it's to serve in New Zealand with a with a Kaiofa plant. Yeah. That'd be that sounds awesome. It does. <laughs> Maybe it's to serve and to begin a Kaiofa in Unam, the National University of Mexico, which has a hundred thousand students wow. in no Kaiofa, in one of the largest cities in the world. This evening, the Lord wants to meet with us. He wants more than just our attitude. He wants our heart this yeah. evening. He wants us to not resist. And if you're hooked this evening, if you have taken a bait and you're hooked, he wants to set you free. Right. Not just with the attitude, but if you're hooked into sin this evening, the Lord can break your addiction. The Lord can heal your body. The Lord can fill you with boldness and courage to be a witness yeah. to the ends of the earth. That's what the scripture says. Read it. Jesus wants to open his presence to you this evening. And he wants to do something. He can take somebody that's nobody from nowhere and do something. Amen. This evening, maybe you would say, you know, I actually have identified with a lot of this, but I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. And Lord, I just give my fresh, my heart fresh thing. What I want to do is I want to just go to the Lord. I just want to ask them to meet with us this evening. I just want to wait on the Lord here just a moment. And we're going to ask you to respond. If I come forward and pray, you can pray in your seat, whatever you're comfortable with. I know that everybody's kind of got a different comfortability right now. But I'm just going to ask the Lord to meet with us. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of the harvest. You're Lord, not just of Sam Houston State, and not just of Chile, but Lord, you are Lord of the harvest. And Father, the scripture says that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The opinions are many, but the soldiers are few. And Lord, we want to take a stand tonight. Lord, we lay down our weapons. We lay down our opinions. And Father, we want to make the main thing the main thing. We want to major on the majors here. Reality is that there are folks that are dying who will face an eternity apart from you. And Lord, we want to do something about it. And we don't want it to be replaced by just our own thoughts. But Lord, we want to do something. And Father, we ask that this evening, by the power of the Spirit of God in this place, Lord, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us. 
And Father, that the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would meet with us. Lord, we may be far from you. We may be running from you. But Lord, you see us and you love us anyway. And Lord, that you would help us. That you would speak to us clearly, Father. And Father, we ask that you would help us, Lord, to give our lives to you and to your people who you died for. Lord, would you help us this evening to be obedient to everything that you've asked of us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.